Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. We have a great episode for you today. At the end of the episode, Dryland Talk, we're going to be going back to a previous conversation I've had with Keenan Robinson, who now is the Director of Sports Medicine and Science at USA Swimming. At the time of this recording, he was still working with Bob Bowman out in the desert there in Arizona and also has had experience with not only training the GOAT, Michael Phelps, but many other swimmers in that capacity. So great person to talk to when it comes to dryland and knowing how to make sure those results happen in the pool. In the inside the Surge Strength Academy section, we are going to be talking about your dryland grid. And this is kind of the theme for our week as well. If you're following us on Instagram, make sure you do. If you're not, it's at surge.strength and The whole point of this is I hope you don't expect of yourself or even of me or any other dry land expert advisor out there that you're going to have the exact right answer every single time. And we we don't teach that to give that false sense of security. Instead, I want to help you develop your orientation skills, your ability to read a map and compass, to be able to plug in the right destination on your GPS to then get you where you want to go. And I think this is really important, especially nowadays where you can be scrolling down Instagram, you can be down a rabbit hole in YouTube looking at exercises, and it can become quickly overwhelming with all the information. And if you don't know how to properly organize it and orient, okay, I found this new exercise, that looks pretty interesting. But if you're not sure where does that fit into your program, that's the skill that we really want to teach you. And we really go into depth when you become Surge Strength Dryland certified. And so this ability to understand almost every exercise at some point you can plug into a program. It's just a matter of are your athletes there yet? Is this the right time of the season for that? Is this what we should be doing today based on what you're going to be doing in the water tomorrow? So learning to organize all of this information so that then when you are scrolling on Instagram, you're looking up exercises on YouTube, you'll know better where to fit in. And then it doesn't become this avalanche of information that you feel like you can never keep up with. So hope that you are following us on Instagram and enjoy this clip from the Inside the Surge Strength Academy on your dryland grid. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. Your dryland grid is the topic I'm going to be talking about now. A compass and a GPS. They work a lot of different ways, but they can still help you go where you want to go. But you have to know how to use them. I want to tell you a quick story. <laughs> you may get a kick out of this. You may not care at all. Um, I did a lot of camping growing up in Oregon, and uh, some of it was Boy Scouts. Some of it was just me and my dad going out. And at one point with the Boy Scouts, they took us to a national park. They gave us a compass and map. They had driven us about five miles away from where we were camping and literally just dropped us off on some dirt road with a map and compass and said, we'll see you guys in a few hours. So we had to use the map. We had to orient it, get the compass, 
And then on top of that, the brush was so dense. I'm not sure if any of you have ever sighted in a compass and done the leapfrog thing to get from one place to another over a few miles, but you really couldn't go more than 10 or 15 feet without m m losing your guy because the brush was so thick. But that was one way to get around. And honestly, it's probably the only way because there's still no service in the national park. So the GPS isn't going to work. So if we didn't know how to use the compass, not like we had cell phones back then anyway, but even today, you're going to be lost. But obviously in the city, your phone's going to work. You can use GPS. You can get turn-by-turn -turn navigation. So why am I talking about compasses and GPS and dryland? It's because they can both give you directions, but they're giving it to you in different ways. And this is what we're going to do at Surge Strength 2. In some parts, we're going to give you very specific turn-by-turn -turn directions in your dryland. But in other parts, we're going to teach you how to orient the compass, orient the map, and then you're going to figure out where you want to go. And it's going to be a little bit more free flow on that. It's going to be a mix of both. So if you're expecting all GPS, or for some reason you're expecting all compass, we're going to be doing a little bit of both through surge strength. And I want you to learn both of those muscles as well. I want you to be able to follow, I need this, this, and this, especially if you're a beginner, like you need that structure for that. But for you to become more of a dryland expert, you need that compass experience. You need to kind of freewheel it a little bit and know, okay, these are the parameters I need to be. I'm at point A here, and hopefully you've been able to figure that out if you're ordering your map. And then I want to get a point B here. You could do that a lot of different ways. And so we're going to do both approaches here and search strength with that. Remember, Here's some big things you always need to keep in mind throughout as well. And we're going to remind you of these as well, but I want to go over them again. Our two biggest dryland goals are getting the swimmers more athletic and strong. If they're more athletic, they're moving better. And if they're stronger, they're going to be more resilient and they're going to be able to increase their power and endurance capabilities. And specifically, how does this relate to swimming? We want to make sure the athletes are being able to get in better positions that falls under the umbrella of athleticism because we need their mobility, flexibility, and other things to be improving so they can get in better positions. We want their strength to improve too so that their tension improves, both the rate at which they can hold tension and the length and duration of which they can hold tension. This is what makes your dryland program swimming specific, is being able to help your athletes get into positions and hold tensions. It's not that we're trying to just mimic swimming on land, Look at it through the lens of how are we doing on improving their position? How are we doing helping them improve their tension rates? Remember the math of swimming and the eternal struggle that all your athletes are in. In the hundreds of thousands of repetitions that their arms and shoulders specifically are going to go through. And with dry land, you need to be that opposing force of that. If you're not there to pull the other end, the swimming is going to take over, the posture is going to take over, and at some point, not good things are going to happen around the shoulder especially. So use dryland to counterbalance that as much as you can. And if all you're doing is just saying, hey, we're just going to do a couple rows each day, we're going to do a few stretches, and we're going to call it good, that's at least knowing, hey, we're trying to pull the other way as much as we can, even if it's not a long program, even if you don't have a lot of equipment. Know where you can make the biggest impact in your dry land. And that's one of those areas. It's just being the counterbalance to the eternal struggle that a swimmer goes through with all the volume. 
as much as it's enticing to get into the nitty gritty details and really dive into, okay, how complex can we make this? Try to keep it as simple as possible, especially if you're a beginner and trying to dive into this dryland training. Keep it simple with the phases. Strength, strength, power, power. Yes, at some point in time, you can geek out and go into the 20 different periodization phases. But for now, we're going to keep it simple so you can focus in on implementing the program and coaching it up. And remember, above all, for dryland, we don't want the athletes to get hurt. That's the last thing we want is for them to get hurt on land away from their primary sport. We want to get them stronger, more athletic on land, more resilient, so then they can go train harder in the water and get faster. Always take the more conservative approach if you have two options on dry land, because it's better to back off a little bit on dry land and go harder in the water than go harder on land, because there's less room for air, and if something goes wrong, they're not getting in the water either. So take it slow on dry land. Don't be overzealous, especially at the start, or if you're new to it too, just take your time and adapt and let your team and athletes adapt as well. Remember, our end goal is better athletes equal better swimmers. Dryland Talk. Keenan, thanks so much for joining us today. Chris, thank you very much for having me on. It's quite a pleasure to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Yeah. So first off, I, I want to get right to the heart of the matter. So you being an athletic trainer and also a strength coach as well, and obviously the the breadth of your career has really been with elite level swimmers at the highest level from you know University of Michigan out to North Baltimore and then now out west at Arizona State. Why is strength training so important to a swimmer's success? Well, I think that if you look at the evolution and um, kind of the the state of where swimming is now as compared to even when I when I first started, which was 2004, I started in the fall of 2004 at the University of Michigan, so right after the Athens game. And you look at, um, on the men's side in particular, and now we're starting to see it a little bit more on the women's side, is that uh, you have more and more athletes continuing their career at a high level, if not higher level, in the post-collegiate years of their career. And so you kind of look at some of the things that are allowing the kids the opportunity and now adults to do this. And um, beyond the financial incentives, which were never there previously, you look at the, their body's durability and giving them the opportunity to have um, a strong, robust um, engine or strong, robust, uh, actually, body now, auto body to, to, to go with. I think strength training can be a big key component to it. I, I just kind of look at when I first started incorporating strength training slash dry land into, into swimming, there's, there's not a lot of information upon it. Most of it has been coach written mm -hmm. and uh, fantastic coaches, right? You, you can look at um, some of the books that uh, Randy Reese wrote, um, some of the stuff that Paul Bergen wrote. Uh, Ray Buzzard at the University of Tennessee. Uh, more recently, some of the stuff that Coach Schubert put out with his group at Mission Viejo. Um, obviously, Joseph Nagy's work in, in the Berlin dry land yeah. has mostly been coach-directed as opposed to um, a coach of physical preparation. Um, and so that kind of left not only the, the strength coach at the collegiate level, which is where this has really blossomed, creating their own, their own model, um, which, which is typically based on the principles of which they, they grew up with in their education. And so 
the knock is always at the football-based mm-hmm. swimming dryland program until it kind of what we have now, where there's there's um, there, there are few in number, but there are some excellent uh, coaches of physical preparation working with swimmers, um, primarily at the collegiate level, but then then in other in other realms as well. That's a great point. And I was actually just talking with uh, another coach on the Global Swimming Summit here about how he's seeing a trend of more coaches are bringing in outside experts like yourself, you know, another strength coach to actually do the stuff because, you know, he can kind of come up with some stuff, but he knows he's limited and he'd rather bring in an expert, someone like yourself. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means. <laughs> um, uh, I've just been blessed, uh, honestly blessed to have been around some fantastic coaches that yes, did have a vision uh, as well as some athletes that had um, at least they could conceptualize where they felt like they needed to go. Mm. Um, and then, and then uh, merging that with, uh, with some, with some good coaches in, in the, in the uh, physical preparation field um, and, and kind of merging those two, two ideas together. That's good. Let's dive into the actual kind of strength training right now and, and kind of push the swimming to a side. When you look at a strength training program, what are some keys or must-haves for you to kind of look at that and say that's a that's a good balance program or, or that's a sound program? Um, well, I, I try not to um, critique or evaluate anybody else's program because uh, obviously myself being someone that, that, that writes programs and, and thinks about it uh, with great deal, um, we're the ones that are implementing it. But but when I ask other coaches, uh, kind of what, what what are you doing or, or what are you looking to? Uh, number one is I want someone uh, that, that, that seems to have a, a long-term plan mm. um, in, in a culture of quick fix, quick immediate hits. Um, let's get the most out of them right now and not think about the future. When, when, when our sport discipline is all about long-term plan. Mm. Um, so the, that's kind of the first and foremost. Is, is there, is there a, is there a plan or is it just a bunch of uh, exercises thrown on a piece of paper and, and um, uh, or quick, quick fix. Uh, man, I saw this on YouTube. The kids brought this video to me and I, I threw it in there because it looked cool. Um, those kind of dissuade me a little bit. Um, number two, has there been some evolution within this, within this program? Meaning um, I can kind of, I, I can look back at what, uh, what I had programmed even last year, but, but definitely I kind of look every quad and, and my programs, my first programs I work, um, look nothing like the programs that I'm, I'm writing now. And mm-hmm. so, um, but it doesn't mean that, that they were bad back then. It just means that we've, we've had some evolution. So that means that we adopted means and methods from, um, proven, like proven, uh, proven methodologies. Um, as well as some input from some, some, some great minds. We've tried it. We've applied it. We've stuck to it. Uh, and we've seen what has, has brought or elicited some success and what has, has not shown any sort of means or, uh, uh, of improvement or, or done anything to, to change the organism, the athletes. Um, so evolution at that. And, um, and then thirdly, some validation. Meaning, uh, if you're if you're picking an exercise, or you're pre- picking a, a set rep scheme, let's say you're doing, um, let's just throw something out there that probably is not being used in, in the swimming world, or perhaps might be, but like you might learn five, three, one. Mm-hmm. If you're using that, can you validate it 
meaning can we stand you up and say, uh, why have you chosen this? And can you, can you on your own tell us why you're using it and not just uh, sit back with Jim wrote down verbatim? If that, if that makes sense. No, that's good. And you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier, but it sounds like uh, I think you said it and I heard you in an earlier interview talking about slow cooking the process and, and swimming kind of taking the long view on that. So is that part of how you don't get injured when you do strength training? Do you think that's why a lot of people get injured is because they're not taking the long view and they're not going for that slow cook process? Uh, yes and no. Um, so, so the, the slow cook process was, was kind of, um, kind of, it's come about because I've had, I've been blessed with the opportunity to work with, uh, the kids at the North Baltimore Aquatic Club. So, um, for, in case you don't know, I, I wasn't just working with, with Michael and the group um, that Michael swam with in North Baltimore. I, I, I programmed and designed and worked with the kids 10 years old all the way up to Michael's group. So when I first got there, yeah, I came from the collegiate setting and, and the collegiate mindset, which was, um, you know, give them, give, them, uh, give, them, give them capacity in the fall, uh, develop power and uh, after Christmas and, and through the month, you know, the month of January, peak them in February, repeat them in March and then, and then get ready for the long course season. And those are grown adults. Mm. Um, and so kind of working back, uh, the other thing that I always scratched my head was, um, you know, how, how did, how did these guys, when they walked on campus, like, they, like I remember when, when, when Tyler Clary walked on campus as a freshman at the university of Michigan and, and, um, the first or second week of October, we had our first dual meet, and, and he goes 420 in the 500 freestyle. First college dual meet, 500 freestyle. And that's still a whole up. I think that makes sense to a score, right? Yeah. And so you're kind of saying, like, how did the kid get here? Because we're inundated in the United States with, we know why, like, like last night, because it's in my mind, Leonard Fournette, a sophomore running back mm-hmm. from LSU. Like, we kind of know why that guy was there because we saw high school film on that kid flashing up on ESPN. Swimming, it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. So you're mm. kind of saying, so I'm thinking, how does the kid get like that? Um, and then also, you know, with my athletic training hat is, you know, looking at maybe some of the, the, the physical abnormalities, which may have been hindering Tyler at the time, like how did these get there as well? And so how can we remove the, the, the physical ailments or physical limitations as well as it, keeping them on the process of, hey, man, it, it, Tyler had the juice, right? Like the big thing was don't screw him up, right? <laughs> like that, that was the deal, right? Um, and that's just one example, um, you know, and so um, the opportunity to work with, with, the, with the high school kids, the grade school kids at North Baltimore allowed me to, to sit down and challenge myself, um, work your way backwards, from this is this is something that we want to give the kids an opportunity to look like when they leave Meadowbrook, the facility that we train in, and, and go off to college. Um, and, and how do we keep, keep them there and, and exploit their, their physical properties to the best of, of their advantage? So actually, let's let's stay on that for just a little bit. So when you're working, especially with those kids back at N- NBAC and uh, thinking about, okay, what do we do to prepare them to get to college? What kind of landmarks or, or benchmarks are you thinking that they need to be able to do on land so that when they go to the college setting, they're prepared for something like that? Because you knew what it was like for the workload of, of a strength coach and, and in the collegiate setting. And a lot of kids, sometimes their freshman year is a pretty rough in, entrance to college. 
You know, I'm glad you made that last statement because we kind of look at three things that limit a freshman from success um, at the collegiate level. Number one is they enter into a swimming program that the, the water part is, is too much for them to handle, meaning that they were more than likely not given the aerobic background to handle a collegiate program, or they were so far on the kind of aerobic capacity background and they were thrown into a, a more uh, intensity-based, a short-duration intensity-based, that their, you know, their central nervous system got shocked in September and they were never given an opportunity to get out of that hole. And so they were just said, oh, they were, you know, they were over-volumized or whatever at an early age. But that's just another topic. So, so number one, it's them not being able to, to withstand the, the, the in-water um, workload. Number two is it's the introduction of a formalized, structured weight or dry land program. So irrespective of where you're at in the collegiate setting, um, you're going to be required to do anywhere from three to, I believe some colleges are still doing five to six days of, of dry land weight room workout. Uh, and then number three is the socioacademic aspect, and we can't, we really can't control that. Um, so we know that the, the two other things in North Baltimore, we feel like we give them a fairly adequate in-water program to, to, to uh, set them up for some success, uh, regardless of whatever college institution they go to. And number two, it was it was my job because let's not forget that we're here for the athletes. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is this isn't about uh, about teaming. Like this, this program's not about me and um, whoever makes it out alive is because of me. Right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's end that thought process. This this self promotion marketing uh, of the physical preparation world as to like what are the reason why kids get on the podium? But mm-hmm. We could stop with that, right? So. Um, the great thing is, is that the kids that, that I've had the opportunity to work with at North Baltimore, when they come back at Thanksgiving or when they came back at Christmas, I said, you know, what are you guys doing? And so the, the thing that you hear is that obviously um, cookie cutter programs usually don't succeed. And so um, given facilities, given coach resources, uh, given, given the, the sport discipline coach preference, the kids are doing everything from, from the Olympic, Olympic style lifting to um, a nice, robust uh, combination of different methodologies of, of, of strength training, and even some old school, hey, let's get after it, three by 20 uh, circuit methodology. Mm-hmm. So, um, knowing that, um, I have to at least expose, give a dose to, to the kids in our program so that uh, so we want them to have fun and have success once they leave once they leave Baltimore. So mm-hmm. we have to give them that opportunity. Now, does that mean that I have to do strictly Olympic-based program? No. Does it mean I have to do a strictly circuit-based program? No, but I have to give them the exposure to it so that um, when they walk on their college campus, um, also helping out the, the strength coach at that college, is that our kids can pick up a card, look at it, and know, know what the heck they're doing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of how we formalize it, and then and then obviously there's there's some things that I, I think any great or any good any doesn't have to be good. If it's a if it's a strength program, like you're going to have, um, I'd like to believe you're going to have a, a squat pattern in it. You're going to have a form of a hip hinging uh, pattern in it. You're going to have a, a a vertical and horizontal press and pull into it. Uh, you're going to incorporate some form of loaded carries, and you're going to do whatever you call training of the abdominals, the trunk, the core, whatever you want to term on, you're going to have those things. So at the earliest fundamental foundational level, we're going to introduce those kids so that uh, 
when they walk onto that college campus, like they, they can squat and they can hate and, and they can push and pull. And, and uh, they're going to know that, uh, um, hey, like, coach, like I'm not, I'm not trying to weasel out of a program but, uh, or out of an exercise. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, like, uh, ooh, we tried straight up horizontal, you know, straight up vertical overhead pressing. And this is just not, it did not work for me. My, 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 uh, whether it's a central nervous system fatigue allowed to increase my micro instability, my shoulder, or, or just my anatomy was not, was not, uh, suitable for, for straight up overhead press, but, uh, you know, coach had me do some, uh, half kneeling landmine press. And, and you know, I think that helps out the, the strength coach, uh, a little bit more. I think that's so good that you're thinking, all right, how do I set these kids up for success and, and not necessarily what program I think I should run, but let's give them a sampling of it. And, you know, cause I think sometimes coaches will do their kids disservice by saying, Oh, we'll just say that for college. And then it's a real rude awakening once they get to college, if they've had no experience before then. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly, um, that's exactly the case because Right, they're going to get. They're gonna, you're going to see a huge jump in, in the kids' overall athleticism, and as well as like just 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 um, physical potentiation, right? Like just by implementing, um, you know, if you go to a more quote unquote hypertrophy set rep scheme, your kids are going to get bigger because they haven't done it. Um, or if you're, you know, if you're if they're walking in the the weight room and they're pulling off the floor overhead yeah they're going to express if they're not hurt they're going to express power quickly um so i don't want to tap and drain those those opportunities for those kids when they're 14 years old yeah um but but they at least i can make them safe and and so they know what they need to do that's good let's kind of talk about how now you integrate strength training with swim training, especially you said in another interview about, you know, swimming is such an overvolumized sport and the swimmer is unlike any other athlete. And you, and you worked with some other sports besides swimming before kind of honing in on just swimming. So talk to me about that integration and making sure the strength training doesn't become the focal point, but rather a supplementation for getting them better in the water. I think, and you, 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 you kind of answered the question by asking it there is that the strength training understand this, the strength training nearly assists in the overall development of the swimmer. Um, I think, I think we're, we're, we're not getting, we are, we are fully, fully immersed into the thought process within our sport that we can get rid of 10, 200. Um, we can get, we can get rid of uh, a 30, 50 long course kick best average and make swimmers great by, by making them phenomenal at, at what we're claiming to be a, a clean and jerk. Um, this, this, this does not happen. I, I have not seen it happen. Uh, again, please prove me wrong if, it, if it's otherwise, because I love to, to learn and because if that's the case, we can do it. But, but the strength training is, is merely to assist in, in, in helping kind of exploit the, the, the properties of swimming. Mm. So um, what, what we've kind of, Believe, and when I say we, you know, I, I, I provide a service for for Coach Bowman and 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 the athletes that he coaches, and and so that's what I mean by we is is that. Uh, and and when I was at North Baltimore, same ago, I, you know, I provided a service for Eric Pose getting the athletes that he coaches. So, um, what we believe is that uh, swimming is most important. Um, uh, the kids at junior nationals are going to win the two hundred backstroke. 
um, by swimming great backstroke. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it by having a, a, a ruthless uh, back, one repetition back, back squat. Um, so we want to make sure that, uh, that, that uh, when they swim, they're, they're great at swimming. And, and then whatever I'm introducing or whatever I'm implementing in the weight room um, is, is appropriate for that day and appropriate for that time of year. Meaning, um, uh, if you're going to, to be a strength coach and, and work with swimming, get, get, get your butt on deck mm. and, uh, and learn what these coaches are doing. Don't just look at a workout and see uh, six, 6.5K and say, oh, they're, they're just garbage yardage, pounding away. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a, an aerobic, you know, aerobic only in nature. Um, Obviously, there's a little component to it, but it, it might be uh, six and a half K, but, uh, you know, I've got 3,000 with active breath. You better know that because mm. uh, the central nervous system is probably going to be on the lower end by the time they get in the weight room. So if you're choosing to do a, a multi-joint exercise, be prepared for the fact that their technique probably will not be what it should be. And, and therefore, um, you may have to go, you know, lateralize or, or digress, whatever you want to term it, you know, from a barbell to a dumbbell uh, through just a, a med ball throw because you want to keep the athlete safe. Um, on, the, on the same token, you may say, oh, wow, it's only three and a half thousand. They, they you know, they probably did all sprints and, and are tired. Well, no, it could have been a three thousand purely aerobic um um, you know, circulatory effect, and and it may have reset reset their central nervous system, and you could get after it and just uh, crush them in the weight room. So I think that's first and foremost understand what the coach is doing mm. and what that program means. Um, and number two is 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 um is don't pigeonhole the the swimmers into okay they're sprinters, so all they need is hypertrophy mm. early on and power, power, power. So good. Um, you know. You know, answer me. I could be wrong, but tell me who the two most consistent people I've been on a four by one relays for the past three Olympiads. I'd say David uh, Ryan Maki and Michael yeah. Pat, so, right? But, okay, so um, they yes, they need uh, hypertrophy and power, but they, they they need some other things in order to have the success for those Olympics. Um, um, so so don't don't pigeonhole the athletes, especially in early ages, to just saying like, hey, like these kids are. Uh, just need this, or or they're they're breath strokers, so all we need to do is work on their adductors and, and, and abductors of their groin muscles so that they don't get hurt. Well, odds are, if they are uh, truly a breath stroker, um, when they're doing kick sets, they're probably not doing too much flutter kicking or dolphin kicking. They're probably kicking breath stroke. Um, and when they're doing their main sets, uh, obviously they're, they're doing a lot of, of breath and uh, breath kicking with very little of the other other strokes. So safe to say that their adductors and adductors are, are, are getting worked. Uh, let's, let's see what, what other um, parts of their structures have been shut down or underdeveloped and let's kind of work on those and let's get after those in the weight room. So um, understand the athlete as well. Um, and then, and then realize that you, you, you have such a long time with these kids, right? Like our seasons are 11, 11 months, one week out of the year, 11 months, two weeks out of the year. Okay. It's, it's funny. I was just kind of, you know, looking, um, we have, we have 15 weeks until the Olympic trial. Uh, so, um, that's a lot of time. It's, it's a short amount of time. If you haven't been doing the work, mm-hmm. you're not thinking like this, but, but, 
so for me, I'm looking at 15 weeks uh, uh, starting you know, post uh, the Austin Grand Prix. We were 15 weeks into the Olympic trial. So understand, like, um, you have a lot of time to develop. So if, if their technique, you know, if you want to, whatever you're teaching them, you're coaching them, you're teaching them first and coaching kind of the same thing. Like, um, if they don't get it that Tuesday, you know, you've got 14 other Tuesdays to kind of mm. maximize it and, and always do your cost, your cost benefit analysis, right? Like if you, if you want them to, to have a, a tremendously great front squat, if that's the modality you're choosing, um, boy, like do everything you can so that on that 12th or 13th week before the trials, like, or before your taper time, whatever it may be, it looks fantastic. And the numbers they push are, are commensurate with good technique as opposed to just putting a bunch of plates on the bar and, you know, you having to be the, the strength coach to go to the, the swim coach and say, hey, like, uh, Johnny, he's going to be uh, modified for the next couple of weeks because, he, you know, he herniated his disc, you know, or whatever it may be. That's great. I want to go back, uh, Keenan. You hit so many good points. So I'm scratching down notes and trying to let's circle back on some of this stuff that you kind of glazed over. I think we need to settle on for a little bit. So going back to the stroke specific stuff and, you know, I help uh, swimmers a lot of times with, with strength training as well. And, and I think that's the one question I get. The biggest thing is give me exercises for freestyle or I'm a butterfly. And so talk to me a little bit about you know, how you're thinking about that and why it's not the best thing to specialize in a stroke on land, you know, do specific exercise in land for a breaststroker because they're probably already doing it in the pool as well. So there's been a couple, um, a couple tangible items over the last few years that, that I've come across um, that, that have really made me hit home because early on, I definitely in 2009, I was doing the stroke stuff. I mean, if you look at, at videos or if I, if I print it off, uh, if I give you the external hard drive with my 2009, 2010 <laughs> workout cards on it, oh, we were getting after it. Anything we could do to replicate the strokes you were doing it because it's there uh, intuitively, I guess it made sense. Um, and, and, uh, we were all full. The swim coaches, strength coaches, we were all fooled during that era because we had uh, we had a performance enhancing substance wrapped around our swimmer's body. So <laughs> you know, right? Like there was uh, there was uh, you know there was guys that were only hitting seventeen home runs the year before that, that started to hit fifty. Right. Yeah, uh, right. So, um, so I started you know, kind of reading more, um, and I would say the first the first thing that kind of started me tailing off into questioning. Am I giving the right thing for the athletes that have, that have trusted in me and giving them the right stuff in the weight room? And that would be when Sean Hutchinson started uh, discussing, you know, his ICOS unit and uh, um, neuroplasticity and uh, really how, how, uh, how important it is with the understanding the brain. So, you know, the concept of the ICOS unit is it's, uh, you know, you, you visually, you see a small splice, um, I think it's like a three or five second splice of a specific stroke to help uh, the brain kind of change itself. It's a phenomenal book, The Brain That Changed Itself, um, into um, perfecting that stroke. And um, so, so you know, it's kind of like, well, it's, it's, it's such a minute uh, clip. and um, and this is what swim coaches are doing. I mean, these guys are the best 
the very, very good. Why should I be doing something that, uh, <laughs> that Bob Bowman or John Urbanchek, Mike Bottom, Josh White, Eric Pogue, any other coaches that I've had the, the blessings to work for? These guys, they've done a fairly good job with coaching strokes, right? Like, <laughs> why am I going to do something that uh, would ever, ever interfere? Like, right, right, strength coaches don't like uh, stem coaches coming in and saying, like, hey, I think the kid should set up his bench like this. But we, <laughs> we do not like that because... I'm glad the kid's probably going to get hurt, right? But it's the same thing. So that kind of was like, that makes pretty good sense. And then obviously there was, um, I want to say it was Stanford, because I always got to get Stanford credit when research comes out. Uh, But, uh, you know, they were looking at uh, shooting, like the basketball teams were shooting like weighted uh, med balls to improve their free throw shots. And and, and this did not, like, this did not translate. And so, uh, but obviously, there's been there's been uh, many many papers and studies that have come out that have shown like um, overloading sports specificity is is not exactly um, the way or the means to to get to the end. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of where I've, I've progressed and, and moved out of it in terms of uh, um, you know sports specificity and of course like one of the things that um, that I, I've probably over the last two and a half years I've really um, looked at is, is, is the track and field, um, um, you know, kind of immersion of the sprint aspect of track and field to the weight room aspect of track and field. And I think they, as a sport, they do a, a much, much better job of bridging the two. Mm. Um, you know, meaning um, I, 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 um, you know, I don't see too many uh, videos of our world's best sprinters, you know, um, attaching heavy, heavy weights to their legs and, and sprinting up and down. Running with dumbbells kind of in like, hands. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they get into the weight room and, and they do their they do their thing. Right. Like the, the greater they can apply force to the ground, the ground reaction force, the greater the speed is going to be. Right, so um, you know, you, you, you read of, of all the great uh, sprinters uh, over the years. You know, Charlie Francis, phenomenal. You know, read anything that he's put out there, and, and you see like um, that, that's that's where it comes from. Not necessarily, um, you know, having your your four by you know your four by one uh, track team pass a fifteen pound baton with hopes that it translates to a greater <laughs> real exchange. But he just doesn't. Uh, I don't think it it, 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 it works like that. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your Dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.